Is mainstream school failing your kids? The pandemic, with all the changes to schooling and daily life, is a moment of opportunity to rethink the educational path that works best for you and for your kids. So the question is, how can we as parents find alternative solutions that aren't necessarily having to do it all ourselves or pay for programs that we can't afford? I'm Jerry Kirk. And I'm Graham Kirk. Join us as we talk with families thriving on their own path. We shared practical tips, wins, and challenges they've been through to help you on yours. We interview educational experts and parent entrepreneurs with education solutions for the modern age. So parents wanting a better alternative can make confident, informed choices. Welcome to the Modern Education Movement Podcast. You're ready for change. And so are we. Welcome back, everyone, to the Modern Education Movement Podcast. Now, today is a super exciting day because, first off, I've got my co-host, the son, Graham Kirk, in the studio. Welcome, Graham. Thank you. He's the guy usually behind the scenes for the most part. He, does, he edits all the, uh, the audio on our shows and does a, a fab job. But today, my son, Graham, is going to join me in interviewing a father-son who have chosen their own unique path for education. The reason we do this is we want to give you some real life examples, right? To inspire you, to learn from as you're, as you're figuring out the right choice for your family on, on your education learning path. And, you know, we just love hanging out with cool families. So it's part of our, uh, our selfish benefit. And our parent guest today, I want to tell you a little bit about Rocky Buckley. Now, he guides knowledge experts who want to monetize their expertise, but really just don't know how. So if you're an author, speaker, consultant, or coach, imagine leveraging what you know into your own high-ticket, lifestyle-friendly business. His clients have sold a combined $100 million in training programs, curriculum, and information products to the market. So knows this stuff. Now, Jack Buckley is a 16-year-old homeschooler, filmmaker, and host of his own YouTube podcast called The Jack Buckley Show aimed at young creators. Jack has appeared on television, newspapers, and radio as the creator of the world's first Minecraft animated feature film, an action comedy called Remnants, which he released when he was only 14 years old. He's currently working on his next mystery feature project, projected to release in 2023. Jack, Rocky, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. Thank you for Good having to be here. On. Yeah. Awesome. Great to have you guys back. You were part of our, our launch day, which was, which was super awesome and a lot of fun. So thanks for, for joining us on that. And uh, just how are things going with you guys? Going good. Going pretty well. What about you? I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, I think we're both cracking away at different things, working on different projects. Yeah, this pandemic hasn't slowed you guys down one, one second. Maybe even sped up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think for him, he really has interpreted it as a you know, blessing yeah. in disguise for sure. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. We're doing well. Thank you. Oh, glad to hear. So, Rocky, I'd love for you just to our benefit and for our listeners and just share a little bit more about like yourself and, and your family well i would say for the for the purposes of of our conversation when i grew up i was kind of a gifted kid i had skipped a grade and i could have been skipped a couple of grades and so on and, and but i always hated school and when my wife and i got married and we decided that we were going to have kids we started thinking about a different path for our kids being raised so that you know, they'd be able to pursue their passions and we would be able to educate them at home and really be able to try to channel what they naturally loved into the, the, the life and the career that they really wanted. So my wife, Kim and I, we've been married for 20 years. 
We've got three kids. They've all been raised kind of in an entrepreneurial slash homeschooling household. And they've each in their own way, you know, their age, ages 18, 16, and 12. Each of the three kids has really gone off on their own path and pursuits. And some pretty interesting stuff has come as a result of that. So I don't know if that's what you're looking for, but that's at least part of our life. <laughs> <laughs> what was it about school that, that made it just a miserable experience or just or a difficult one? For me, I guess I was just really bored with it. I learned to read at a, at a really early age. I, I was able to read by age three. And so, you know, I was, I was already pretty well read. And, and you know, my, my mom really put a lot of emphasis on teaching us at home. We always read, we spelled, we, you know. So by the time I actually got into school, I think I was already too far ahead for, the, for where I was at. Yeah, so really not no challenge whatsoever. Yeah. And so I really kind of sat there like I already know all of this, like I'm, I'm really super bored. And, um, and that's why, you know, right out the gate, like they started to try to process me up into the grades. But then that, that created its own problems because I was a bit of a misfit. You know, I was always the youngest guy in the class and that had negative consequences on me socially, I think, as well as in sports, which I loved because I was always like, it, you know, physically uh, at least a year or more behind the other kids in my grade. So. Um, it was just a combination of factors, I guess, you know, boredom and just kind of not really feeling like I was in my right place the whole time. And so when you when you decided to go down a different path, was that something that both you and your wife were aligned on right away? She was like, sure, yeah, let's do that. Or how, how did that process unfold? Yeah, it really was because my first of all, my, my wife is a teacher by training. So she went to That's school, she's got, her, she's got her, you know, her degrees and certifications in teaching. And so, you know, education was always really important to her as well. Um, obviously going, you know, making that career choice. But we were really fortunate because we had a, a couple of couples in our lives who were role models for us who were already homeschooling their kids. And we kind of were able to, to see some good examples of people that were doing it well. We saw examples of people that were doing it poorly. But we also saw some people who were really doing it well and their kids were turning out great. And it gave us a lot of confidence that we could that we could do it and we wanted to do it. And so really, even before we actually got married, we had kind of began to design our life on paper. What did we want our life to look like? And homeschooling was always that was always a part of the design right from the beginning. So and then when our first daughter was only, you know, a couple of years old, I mean, we were already kind of starting the process of educating. She was able to read really young. She was able to, you know, memorize the alphabet and all of those, like very, very young. And so within a couple of years of having our first child, we were already getting our feet wet and homeschooling. So it was a pretty natural transition from there. So in those early days, obviously, so one of the keys was, was having those examples and those, those role models. And there's so many different flavors, right? Some that are very a lot like like traditional school, right? You know, very structured curriculum and and you know periods in the day and whatnot. How would you describe the I guess the evolution of your approach as a as a as parents and as as a family? How did you go about figuring that out, and what were you influenced by? I guess. Yeah, it, it's interesting because when we got married, within a, within a few years after getting married, we decided that we wanted to relocate to a different part of the United States, and we ended up building a house in Virginia. And Virginia is a really big state for homeschooling. There's a ton of history here, a lot of American history. You know, the biggest events of American history occurred in this state. So it's historically rich 
It's filled with universities and, and schools. But there's also a very big homeschooling contingency down here. And every year they have a, a very large homeschooling convention with thousands and thousands of people that attend. And even before we officially moved down here, when we were actually building a house, my wife and I were traveling down to Virginia and we were going to the homeschooling convention. And as a result of the homeschooling convention, you know, it, it opened up our world to a whole lot of people that were doing it in different ways. People that were, you know, maybe that were vendors that were selling different sort of products or curriculum, things of that nature. We made a lot of connections. And so right from the start, we were able to sort of tap into this pre-existing community that was very vibrant and there was a lot of information and there was a lot of relationships available. And I think that that really set us off on a you know, on a good foot. We never felt that we were doing it alone. We always felt that we were part of something bigger that a lot of people were doing. And then when we actually moved down here and we started homeschooling down here, there's a very large co-op with, what is it, about 400 kids? Yeah. I mean, there wasn't at the time, but yeah, at, at the time, but it's really grown kids, to that yeah. point. So like our kids, we, we kind of custom designed the homeschooling experience. So it wasn't just in the home. We're always very mindful of getting the kids out of the house getting them integrated with other kids. And the co-op is actually a way where our kids, you know, they go into a school type environment one day a week. So they get to be with other kids. They get to take specialty classes and so on. So I guess for us, you know, when we started out, especially because of my wife's, you know, training as a teacher, I think we looked at homeschooling through a lens that looked a lot like doing school at home. It was more formal by nature. And we kind of felt comfortable with that structure. But what I will say is that as we went on, it started to change and we started to be able to, to, to custom make what we were doing. We started to feel more free to explore different models and so on and kind of let things go a little bit differently than, than we would have. And it was also you know, customized to each of our kids. You know, they each had a different personality and a different learning style and so on and different passions. And so we really paid close attention to what the feedback was that we were getting from each child. And then, you know, all, I think all three of you have done like a different math curriculum yeah. or there's different language and language arts curricula and stuff like that. So they've each kind of had their own experience. I mean, yeah, would you definitely. say? Yeah. So yes, what I'm hearing there, and I think, you know, for those who are listening, this really, really important is I mean, you don't have to pick the perfect curriculum, the perfect solution or whatnot. It really comes down and really important to, to listen to your kids and to see how they respond. And as you point out, there's so many different options out there, right? You don't have to get it, get it right on the first try. You can discover as you go along, you know, what, what really lights them up. So, yeah. yeah and, and definitely in tapping into the wisdom of other people that have gone ahead of you, it's a, it's a huge resource for us. I mean, at each stage of our kids' development, we've had connections with people who kind of were already a few years ahead of us and had gone through that phase. And that's, that's been invaluable for us. I mean, you know, just tapping into that. It's just saved us. It's been like a shortcut, you know? So I would say for people, A, you're, not, you're never doing it alone. There's a lot of people around you that are doing it and that have, a, have had a lot of different experiences with it. And you're never going to get it perfectly right, but it's a learning curve. And you've got to give yourself the grace to go through that. And you have, you have time. I mean, you're, you know, as long as you're pursuing it in a, in a way that has integrity and you're doing your best, you know, your kids are resilient. You know, if you... You make a you make a mistake in third grade. Okay, chances are you can, you know, more than make up for it as you go later on. Absolutely. Well, and especially, I mean, these days, 
there's a whole lot less you might say learning going on with 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 COVID and all these new experiments really right with remote learning and and all these kinds of things. So yeah, I think it's really valuable for parents listening out there to not put a lot of pressure on themselves and and to give themselves some freedom just to treat this time as a time of, of experimentation. So I had a couple more questions and then uh, I'm going to pass it over to to Graham to talk to Jack a bit here. I mean, me as a parent, I know my experience is like a lot of the times, the things that, you know, get most in the way of, of our kids' development is, is actually us, as us, the parents, you know, we have so much baggage or expectations at times, or there's things that we do that, that are detrimental. And I've got my own, my own weaknesses. Just curious as, as a parent, what, what do you find? What are the things that, that you are challenged by, by the most as you try to, you know, create the, the best environment for your kids? Well, I think it, we definitely have run into issues depending on the, the subject matter. Math has not been a friendly experience for parent and child as a teacher and student. For whatever reason, math has been a, has been a kind of a, a struggle. So we've experienced things like that where it's like, okay, this isn't really clicking. And this is actually now starting to cause problems in the relationship. And so we've ended up, you know, just going outside and, and, you know, hiring some tutors for things for a couple of days a week or whatever that can take the load off. Um, the co-op is a really big resource in that regard because our kids are, you know, what would you say you're taking each semester? An average of maybe four or five? At co-op? Yeah. Yeah, probably like four hours a week. And then we have like one, one class at co-op is about an hour. And then... We have a couple hours from each class of homework over the week. So, yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, when you typically have, you know, anywhere from four to six different classes in the co-op and what that kind of has done, it's, it's sort of spread it around a little bit. It's been able to give our kids access to different flavors of teachers, subject matter that we're, we don't have expertise in and so on. And I think it's created at least a little bit of a blend and a mixture of an experience that it removes some of the intensity from the parent student relationship where it's just like, you're their only teacher. They're in a room with you all day long. And I think that, that can get difficult. And I think by providing some of these other outlets, that's been really good. But I think to go back to your original question where, you know, some of those struggles and how have you gotten past those, I would say primarily it's been through, you know, tapping into our network of, of other people. I think that's been really, really invaluable to us. We've never felt that we, we didn't, we weren't within reach of any answer that we needed. We could always, you know, we were one hop away from somebody that could help us. And we've not been shy or too proud, you know, to ask for help along the way. And that's so valuable, especially that, that face-to-face, especially these days. I know for us here, in a much smaller area with not a big, strong homeschooling base, and certainly, you know, the, the, the internet, has been a, a godsend, which is not really something you had back 20 years ago, I imagine. But uh, yeah, I mean, for those people listening out there too, right? There's there's all kinds of vibrant communities, a lot of them on Facebook and whatnot, where you can really tap into, especially if you've got you know, kids with special needs and whatnot. There's all these different specialized groups where you can you know talk to other parents and educators who have those strengths. All right, Jack. So the first question I kind of have for you is, what does a typical week look like for you? So I know you do a lot of movie making and stuff like that but what does your typical week look like well it depends on what phase i'm in i mean currently i'm in the writing phase so currently a typical week for me is i do school and then usually later at the in the night i write but 
I mean, it kind of fluctuates. Before that, I was doing world building and I was kind of writing a bunch of documents that kind of interface with each other to sort of create the world. So it's kind of, um, but generally, and currently in a week, I do writing. I finish up my school maybe around five on average, but it kind of depends on the day. So fairly structured, like a fairly... Yeah, well, uh, recently I've been using this program called Marvin that's helped me uh, structure my time, amazingmarvin.com. It's very good because it kind of helps me check things off the list and kind of get things done. Yeah, so I finish that off and then usually I keep the writing until late night because it's the one I find I'm the most creative. Cool. He goes to bed late. Yeah. He's, a, <laughs> he's become quite a bit of a night owl, I would say. <laughs> when you're, we're talking about like working on your worlds and your script and whatnot, this, for everyone who's listening out there, you've, you've got a, we're going to a big project right now, right? Yes, I am. I can't divulge too much information but currently I'm in the screenwriting phase of it. And there'll probably be a lot more that you'll be able to see in 2021. Yeah, your second movie. Yeah, and the world building was a thing because of the, it, it's, it's kind of a fantasy setting. So he's actually having to create yeah. the world, a, a whole different world. It's not set in, you know, in our world or our time. So it was a whole big phase with that. Yeah. So how did you kind of get started in that movie making process? Well. Generally, I think I started in around 2013 through, first of all, I think one day me, my grandparents and my sister were just kind of sitting in the basement. We were like, I'm I'm bored. So we made this show called Master Plan. We shot our titles with a piece of paper and I think we edited an iMovie and we just kind of developed that three or four minute an episode series. And then later that year, we made this series called guild of the power souls again it's a bit dated now (laughs) but yeah it was just something i made with my cousins over the fall and we had kind of continued to make that for a couple years but then in like maybe 2015 came across this or no 2013 actually i came across digital and they're they were uh they uh, unfortunately went out of business last year but they really set off a lot of what i've done now in a sense that they sort of taught kids how to do things like make video games, animations, all that sort of thing. So when I took that first animation class, that was sort of when I got boosted into that world. And a couple of years later, that's what inspired me to start creating Remnants, which is kind of my biggest project to date, I guess. Yeah, cool. I also enjoy video editing, so I can appreciate that. And then what other hobbies do you enjoy doing besides movie making? So I know that's a big part of what you do, but what are some other things that you enjoy doing? In terms of enjoy doing, I mean, I do video editing uh, freelance, but that's not necessarily something that I'm like, yes, I get to video edit freelance. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess I'm, I'm some, somewhat of a gamer every once in a while. I, well, not every once in a while, but. Pretty much every day for a little bit. Take up the controller, play a little bit of that. Yeah. It's good meditation, right? Yeah. I mean VR. Yeah. Uh, well I just got I just got a virtual reality thing. Which 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 headset do you got? The Oculus Quest. Oh, do you like it? Uh yes. Yeah, it's very nice. Yeah. The, yeah. So um anyways. I mean I do a lot of different things. It kind of depends on the day. But sometimes I shoot random stuff on my camera b-roll or that's something i do sometimes but generally i'm fairly streamlined in terms of school and writing those are the main things i focus on so probably alternatively to that gaming would be the thing i do most but 
kind of varies day to day. Cool. I know since you're homeschooled and you, you're an entrepreneur, you do a lot of stuff at home. How do you make friends? Just, yeah, because a lot of kids would go to school and they meet a lot of kids there. But since you're homeschooled, what's that kind of like for you? Yeah, I mean, I have some friends at the co-op and that sort of thing. But the main way I've made friends over the last couple of years, especially, are online, youth digital, certainly we had this chat group and from there it kind of spurred on. That's where I met my best friend, Nicholas. It's where I've met a lot of people who are involved in Remnants and just a lot of people who I'm friends with in general. So online has actually been very, very uh, vital. And we, you know, we get on calls, we video chat, whatever, or, or, or just text a lot of the time. So yeah, that's the main way I've made a lot of my relationships, both business and friendship wise throughout the last few years, I think. But again, also at co-op. Yeah, cool. Tell me about some of your goals and dreams for the future. Well, my main one right now that I'm focusing on is eventually I would like to be an executive producer. Generally, I've seen that directors have become not necessarily disposable, but they've become where you can kind of fire them off a project or they just don't have as much creative control now. And I think the role of an executive producer has become really, really great. And I've seen a lot of people do that really well. So that's the main goal. But, you know, probably writing, directing some as well. But eventually, the really, the main goal is freedom. So yeah, what, that's sort of the goal now. Once I get to that, it, it, whatever form that takes, the, the ultimate goal is so if I'm 50 years old and I say, I want to start a clothing brand or I want to start a skateboard company, whatever, <laughs> whatever I want to make. It's just the freedom to be able to do that both monetarily and just I have the connections to do so as well. Just sort of building on and, and continuing to grow so that I can basically have the freedom to not be confined to one thing and be able to do what I want throughout my entire life, I guess. That's interesting you brought that up and then Graham smiled kind of knowingly, which is kind of cool for kids your age, right? But what, what's freedom look like? I mean, obviously, you said like freedom to, to choose new to different things. What, is it gonna, what would it take to get that kind of freedom for you? Are you talking primarily like financially? Like you're looking for ways to have the financial freedom, which then frees up your time to do what you want? Or what, what's, what do you, what's freedom for you in that sense? Um, well, yeah, I mean, we both like to think of money as more of like a tool in terms of that. It's not something that like money isn't the goal, but it is a tool to help you retire early or, or kind of just do things you want. So if I feel inspired to do something, I'm kind of not locked down. I know one of the reasons you started uh, Platinum Path and the Power Persona Project is you were involved in Black Diamond Graphics for nearly 20 years, and you didn't have that freedom. So I think freedom is really essential to having a, a, good, a really, really healthy life, especially later on. So it's kind of certainly monetarily just because financially since if you don't have that, it's hard to do different things, but also building relationships. So if I, if I call this guy and say, yo, Greg, I got, I got this thing I want to start. Yeah, sort of having those connections and just, just being able to do not whatever I want, whatever I want, but um, being able to have the freedom to pursue my dreams as they kind of progress, I guess, in life. Yeah, I think you would probably say one of the, the ways that, you know, we look at, I guess, you know, life and business is that there's almost no more creative 
avenue than business, you know, and as somebody who's wired creatively, like, like he is, he could kind of bring things into being just out of his imagination and make them real. Business is a great way to be able to do that. And I think that, you know, you would say probably being in the entertainment business first and yeah. being able to build, you know, whatever it is, a, a studio of some kind, being an executive producer, having a portfolio of projects and so on. Just that alone is, is really satisfying creatively, right? But also financially, of course, if, assuming it works out well. But then from there, you know, it's all the people that you've met along the way. And then, you know, I think he's anticipating ahead that as he gets older, he's going to develop additional interests. And what, wherever those take him, as he lives his life and he gets exposed to new things, he, he's going to find, you know, whole new areas yeah. that are fascinating to him. Say, I want to open a vineyard at age 70. Like, yeah. that's, uh, that's sort of freedom. Right. Uh, it's freedom and it's probably right. flexibility. Would, yeah. You know, would flexibility. Be another good yeah. Way to, a good way yeah. to put it. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah, I would definitely say flexibility. I think probably the one common denominator is, I don't think for either one of us, being able to create in life, being yeah. able to bring things into being. From an idea, I think that's like a timeless thing that I don't think either one of us would ever get tired of. No. Or and you're only sixteen, so <laughs> well, <laughs> you lived, a, lived that much. But yeah, I think you're wired that way too. Yeah, you know? it's just like that never gets boring. You don't ever want to retire from that. You know, yeah. once you're doing it, it's that's exciting. That's what makes life worthwhile. You know. Yeah. So good. So good. All right, Jack. So just to kind of make things fun, I thought I'd ask you some rapid fire questions. So the first one is, what's your favorite food? Maybe pizza. I don't know. Okay. And yeah, yeah we'll say that. Okay. What's your favorite movie? Uh, 12 Angry Men, uh, 1957. Cool. I'll try it. Uh, what time do you wake up in the morning? Usually 830, uh, but on the weekends I sleep in. Okay, cool. And your favorite book? I would have to probably say the David Goggins. Uh, what is that called? Can't hurt me. Yeah, that one's, that one's good. Um, but I'm personally not a huge book guy. Cool. Me too. <laughs> and then one thing that really annoys you. Hmm. Oh, styrofoam. Styrofoam is the worst. I think okay, we both have the styrofoam one. thing where if you hear it, it's like, <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then name one person that really inspires you. Oh, uh, thank you. Uh, somebody else. Somebody else. Uh, somebody else. Uh, Can be anyone. I'm trying to think. I mean, there are a lot of different people. Um, Peter McKinnon. Peter McKinnon. Peter McKinnon. Yeah, I'll say Peter McKinnon. <laughs> sure. Yeah, he's yeah, cool. But there's a lot of different people. Yeah. What is one of the things that you would put on your bucket list? Let's just say skydiving. Sounds like a good thing. Sounds like a fun one to try. I think a lot of people might have that on their bucket list. Who knows? If you won a million dollars, what would you buy? Right now, I'd probably just use it to fund <laughs> the film, <laughs> make it really nice. Uh, but if it were uh, other than that, I don't know. Buy something nice for them. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> okay. And what are you currently learning right now? Um, a lot of different things. I mean, I'm currently I'm taking masterclass. Um, I'm doing the masterclass subscription. So I'm kind of learning from like guys like uh, Aaron Sorkin, Scorsese, a lot of the different guys who are very like giants in the industry. So a lot of things with filmmaking, but also things like the art of negotiation. And just a lot of different things on Masterclass, uh, mainly. Yeah, cool. I think it's always good to be learning something new. And then the last one is, if you could teleport, where would you go and why? Uh, if I could teleport, where would I go and why? Um, 
would I have to would I have to drive back? No, do I have... You can just teleport anytime you want. Okay. Uh, well, okay. Um, I don't know. I like that you take these questions, you know, seriously enough to consider yeah. uh, the, the implications. I, I probably, honestly, right now, I'll probably just take a trip down to New Jersey for a couple of days, teleport back <laughs> uh, where my uh, grandparents are. Probably do that. Uh, cool. Love them. Love them, grandparents. So, just to wrap up here, then, Jack, what, what would you say that you like most? about the way that, you know, you've been, you've been raised and then just the environment you've been able to, to grow up in. It's just so expansive, I guess. I mean, there are just so many opportunities that open up simply because I'm homeschooled. I'm able to structure my schedule. So if I really have to do something and I want to push it to the weekends, I can do that. Or if I want to stay up late and then, and then get up late and then do work different. It's, it's also earlier I had more free time. So it's just, in general, it's allowed me to really have the flexibility, as I said before, flexibility and freedom, to be able to grow in the things I want to do. Like, I, I would have never been able to spend, uh, like, three years making remnants if I had been in public school, because I would have had maybe one to two hours a day, maybe maybe three, uh, to be able to do that sort of thing. But yeah, it's just really allowed me to to grow, and I think that's something that all homeschool has really experienced to some level. And it's really great. <laughs> awesome. So, you know, there's a lot of parents and, and kids listening, you know, right now who are, you know, really rethinking their, their own learning journey and, and no doubt really inspired, I'm sure, by, by the, the story of your family. So what, what advice would you have for them as they try to figure out their own, their own learning path? And I'll throw that out to both of you. Um, advice for them. Well, I think... The, the first piece of advice, and maybe, and maybe it's the only piece of advice, really, is just the awareness. It's kind of the breakthrough of awareness that there is another way, that, that you're not restricted to the situation that you're in. There are options. And I, and I say this, you know, maybe there, there are certain countries around the world where maybe homeschooling is not an option, so I can't say that. But if homeschooling is available to you, and even I mean, at least and I'm just talking about it from a homeschooling point of view, there's a whole other paradigm. There's a whole other world that maybe you don't know about or haven't explored at all. And I would just say once you sort of crack that door open and once you become aware, like, hey, there's an opportunity to do something really different, you know, then the floodgates open and you can really go down that path and explore and find out all the different options whether it's homeschooling, whether it's something like Galileo or lots of other different systems of, of learning or si systems of raising kids, styles of education, styles of parenting. There really are, you know, there's a lot of people doing some really, really interesting things. There are role models available to you. You don't need to feel that you have to pioneer your own journey. There's a lot of people that, that can provide you great shortcuts to go down that path. And I, I think that's probably the biggest piece of advice. Once you're actually in it, you know, I would probably hearken back to some of the things I said earlier. You know, each of your kids is different. They have their own passions. They're going to have their own things that they're really interested in and devoted to. And it's really up to you as the parent to, to be very sensitive to that and really pay attention to that and watch it and monitor it and allow them to try new things and keep testing the feedback that you get and adapting along the way and so on. But, you know, our true North, at least for my wife and I, as parents has always been, you know, what is, what lights, the, what lights the kid up? 
What is it that they really love to do? What comes effortless to them? It's natural to them. They're drawn to it on their own. It, it gets into you know thoughts about motivation, right? There's extrinsic and, and intrinsic motivation. What's that thing that's really intrinsic? What's that thing that's coming out of them? It's not they're being pressured from the outside to do something. What's that thing that naturally gets released in them when they're just turned on by something? They're so excited about it, right? And so as a parent, it's really important to have that you know, acuity to be able to pay attention to those, those little pieces of feedback that you're getting and allow your kid to run down that track when you see it and really feed into that and invest in that. Because that's where I think, you know, you're going to get the best outcome. What I love about what you're saying, too, is it actually doesn't have to be all that complicated. You said it, it's really just about being open to possibilities and, and you know, being active in paying attention to your child and, and seeing what, light, what lights them up, right? And, and we're all capable of that. So it doesn't have to feel like this daunting, difficult thing that, that, that is like a difficult math equation that we'd rather not try to solve. <laughs> It's a lot. Actually, it really isn't that difficult in the end if we're willing to listen and, and be open to trying things. Yeah, and I think it's the philosophical approach of a parent. Like, what is your role as a parent? You know, and I think, at least for some parents, you know, the way that they view their role is to maybe have their try to maybe live vicariously through their child in a way and kind of enforce their child to become something they want the child to become as opposed to you know where their child's natural passion is and that's a, that's a struggle you know for everybody for sure yeah but i think if you see your role as a parent as sort of a facilitator somebody who's meant to just let this kid grow and and sort of facilitate them to become the best version of themselves if you view that as your outcome um then i think it makes it a lot easier to pay attention to those things and you know, feed into the things they're passionate about. Even if it's something you yourself personally aren't, you don't get it. You don't like know why they like that. But I think it's important to kind of realize, you know, have a bit of a humble role and say, you know, my role here is to is to facilitate their growth and try to allow them to become the best version of themselves that they can be, whatever that looks like. And I think you've got to be humble enough and, and aware enough to be able to to do that. Fantastic. Awesome guys. This has been super fun, super inspirational. You guys have an amazing family and really excited for you, Jack, and, and your future ahead as well. I'm sure there's, there's, there's people out there who'd love to you know, follow up with you uh, and have more conversation or maybe find out how they could work with you, Rocky. What, what's, what's the best way people could find you? We will have links in the show notes as well. Sure. I think the best way that they can find me right now is I'm, I'm putting a lot of time and effort into growing a Facebook community. It's at the Power Persona Project. And actually, it's at powerpersonaproject.com if that makes it easier. I have a URL that leads directly to the Facebook group. So that's probably the best way to reach me. Yeah. And you can find me on social. My name is easy enough to find. So you can find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and so on from there. I think mainly on if you're going to go on Instagram, probably at Mobius Studios and at the Jack Buckley Show are probably the two best ways to reach out to me there uh, or, or check out my stuff. I also have two YouTube channels, Mobius Studios and the Jack Buckley Show. They should be fairly easy to find just by searching those names. And if they want to watch, watch your movie, if right, they want to watch right. Remnants. Yes. Remnants, is on. Right. Remnants is free to watch uh, since it's Minecraft. It is on, it's on my uh, Mobius Studios YouTube channel, free to watch. Yeah, all of his TV appearances, radio appearances, in the scenes documentary that he made about the movie, like all of that stuff. If you're interested in what he does movie wise, you yeah. can view it all there, right? Yep. 
Yeah, that's what I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks for taking the time with us to uh, share with us today. Really appreciate hey, it. Yeah. Thank, thank you for having thank us. Thank you so much. It's been a great time. Right, see you guys. Thank you. Bye bye. Thanks.